Welcome to the Glee Man's Apprentice, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your Glee Man, Twish Avery. And I am his apprentice, Mandy Cat. Cat has already read the first four books of the series, there are always potential spoilers up through the Shadow Rising. And after that, I'll be reading the rest of the books for the very first time with my Glee Man, Twitch. Alright. Welcome back to another episode of the Glee Man's Apprentice. I am, of course, your Glee Man Twitch Avery, joined, as always, by my apprentice. Mandy Cat. Uh, how are you doing today? Good. It's a good day. Yeah, it's, it's nice and windy, so despite the fact that it's in the 80s, it doesn't feel that hot. So A little bit of a haze from the Canadian wildfires, but yeah, yeah. they're little... not here. Yeah, there's some in Wisconsin going on right now, too, so... Um, if we have any listeners in Wisconsin and Ontario, I hope you are safe and I'm sorry you're going through this. It's, I've been lucky enough that I've never really had to like live through a wildfire extremely close. It's, it's always in like, you know, two, three hundred miles away. So, um, but today we are going to start the episode with a couple of announcements. Um... We will be guests on another podcast, both of us, uh, for the first time on uh, this coming Sunday, which will be the first. Um, of course, it's not really this coming Sunday for us because we, <laughs> we're ahead of schedule. But um, to the listeners, it will be this coming uh, Sunday on August 1st. We will be on Fantasy for the Ages. And if you have not listened to them, it's... A father and son podcast. Right now they're going through the uh, series Wheel of Time, but they also do a double episode every week where they just talk about general fantasy and other genres and stuff like that. And if you've not listened to them, it is a must. They are so enjoyable. And the relationship that father and son have together is definitely the relationship that I strive for with my son. So it's, it's really fun for me to listen to them. Um, and yeah, we're really excited for that to happen. And other than that, um, I do briefly want to touch on what we did, uh, what we covered last week, which were chapters 17 and 18, mostly just kind of like the ending, Perrin and his crew left the stone under a bunch of 
um, you know, shaking and thundering and, and, uh, and then got to the ways. And I just wanted to remind us that that had happened before we go in, because if we do all three chapters like we've thought about today, we will be touching on why that happened. Yes. So, uh, without any further ado, do you want to jump into your count notes? Let's do it. Okay. So it starts chapter 19, The Wave Dancer. This is Elaine's perspective, and I felt, in general, she had a bit more character growth in this chapter, or at least as a reader, you start to see some of her growth. Wasn't always my favorite, and I'll touch on some of those moments, too. She and Nynaeve are arriving to the dock of the Seafolk Raker ship in the mall. I just worded that because I was like, didn't the Amberlynn just talk about don't trouble trouble till trouble troubles you? And that was a saying in the mall. Just yeah. That was for men, though. Also, I want to double check. Is Seafolk synonymous to Athanmir? Athanmir, yes. Athanmir is the old tongue okay. name. Okay. Seafolk is I had a moment where I was like, name. are these two different people? And I keep screwing this up. But it is the same. Okay. I am Nynaeve Almira. I said I have the green Aja. I seek the sail, mistress of this vessel, and passage if it pleases the light. This is my companion and friend, Elaine Tricand, also Aesid I of the Green Aja. The light illumine you and your vessel, and send the winds to speed you. That was almost exactly the way Moraine had instructed them to speak. Not about Aesid I of the Green Aja. Moraine seemed resigned to that more than anything else, and amused at their choice of Aja. But the rest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but this brought up a question that I wanted to ask you. If and when Elaine and Nynaeve, and we can even throw Egwene in there, become full Aes Sedai, what do you think their Ajahs will be? I, now that you know a little bit more about Ajahs? I don't think it's Ajahs? necessarily going to be green. Okay. I think this is just because they're tied to, you grow up, you get married, have babies. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I would I, agree I with that. I feel like other Aja can marry their warder oh. if they really want to. Uh, yeah, sure. Probably not red. Um, Definitely not red. I'll Red's say they're not red. You know, Nynaeve, you'd almost be partial to yellow just because she was a healer. Okay. But if I, you know, Aguin, I'd definitely say blue. Okay. Nynaeve, I'd almost say blue. Elaine, she's she's in the mix. I, I don't know her well enough that I'd be like, eh, maybe she'd be green. I don't know. Okay. But I also feel like I, what are green? Were they the ones they called themselves the warrior Aja? What was the battle Aja. Battle they Aja. they hold so, themselves ready for Tarman Gaiden. They're the ones that maybe have multiple Elaine warders. Maybe green. Yeah. Just seems yeah. like it's up her alley. But you think Egwene would be blue? I and feel then... like she's gonna fall Moraine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I do. Okay. That, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. But. And no. then Nynaeve could either be blue or blue, yellow. Maybe yellow. I, I like that yellow prediction. It's it's it it kind of. The healing right. um, aspect of it, it, uh, it, it makes sense. It's a good prediction. Um, which, again, minimal that I know of yellow. They don't quite seem to fit white or brown to me, and I can't remember what's special about gray. I don't know if we've gotten what gray is yet. Okay. I don't, I don't know if not, we've gotten that yet. They're not we knowledge do know, seekers. Yeah. They're not too logical. They're too yeah. hot-headed. Yeah, the, yeah, the whiter, uh, like the philosophical <laughs> ones, the, the brown or the... Academias, historians. The only red would be Elaine if Rand really slights her. She might get pissed and go red just because okay. of Elida's influence. But I don't think that'll happen. Okay, okay, okay. I don't sincerely think that'll happen. Yeah. Uh, and not black, as of again, unless unless there's some 
very interesting story arcs to come. Yeah. So, so that would be my predictions. Okay. That might be a while before we figure that out. Huh? It's. I mean, we 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 still have uh, <laughs> books. eleven books in the series to read. So. Yeah. And actually, honestly, because Moraine is so amused by how whenever they say green, she's always amused. So I'm like, there's more to it than just saying, I like men, I want to be green. Like, obviously, there's more to figuring out your faction or whatever. I I mean, honestly, with Egwene, that almost makes sense because she is, like, the quickest to use the power as a weapon because of her past, you know, captivity and stuff like that. She has been the one that has always been the quickest to attack, like she did with the, the White Cloaks, right? Right. So so it would make sense for her to be attracted to the green because she feels like the best way to respond to threats is to use the power as well. But weapon. I think that all goes back to your typical defense of her. She's immature and learning. So... <laughs> And yeah, so yeah. I think if she learns she more, is. she might be a little more controlled she, as well. And 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 we have gotten the night that Egwene is very much uh, ambitious. We've talked about this. She's yeah. very ambitious, and she wants to learn everything right now. And so it makes sense that she will mature very quickly because of that that quality that she has. So, so they're on deck with this woman, and she introduces herself as. Coined in Dubai, White Wing. Sail, mistress. Wild Wings. Dancer. Wild Wings. I got put White Wing. Oh, Coined by oh, Wild Winds. Sail, mistress of the Wave Dancer. Got it. I skipped to her sister's name. Who is introduced as Joran Aden Dubai, White Wing. Yes. Okay. Anyway, her younger sister is the woman next to her. And sister it's described of the as Sister of the Blood and Wind Finder of the Wave Dancer. Yes. So they look like partners, kind of like first mate and captain. Yeah. Coin agrees to talk to the women about the gifts of passage with them inside her cabin. Because you don't offer pay, you offer a gift of passage. Exactly, exactly. And the gift of passage can be gold, but it's a gift, not a payment. Right. So they enter a spacious cabin, most furniture nailed down, confirming Elaine's suspicion the ocean will be rough sailing. Further observations of the cabin include the insect-looking Siamchen helmet, which of course makes Elaine gasp and just call it out like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, so interesting conversation. Coin confirms, yeah. Yeah. There no. was a ship that tried to attack us last year, but the wave dancer was not to be captured. And then Coin kept the helmet as a reminder. Did you want to expand? Um, no. They talk about this in the next chapter. I'll, 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 yeah, sp- I'll expand a little bit more later. Because right now, what's important is, instead of Nynaeve getting mad that Elaine talks, she just mutters, well, you guys were lucky the Siantians didn't have a woman who could channel, and, and does a brief explanation of how these poor women are forced by Siantians to use their powers against others. As Yeah, they, they basically turn these women into weapons. Yeah, so both Coin and Jaren just are neutral in expression. It's almost an awkward moment, but they politely change the topic back to the gift of passage. So they're sitting at a table, and this is, it seems trivial, but we got to talk about it. A serving woman enters with tea, but that's not what's important, as again, Elaine is about to gasp because the woman is completely bare-chested. Like, I think she has some pants on, but no, nothing up top. Yeah, exactly. She has the same loose-fitting baggy trousers as the yeah. men, 
um, that they saw on on um, you know on deck. On deck, and just like um, she's bare chested. But and she's bare chested. So and coin asks the serving woman, "Have we sailed, Dorel?" Is there no land in sight? And then the woman is suddenly a little bit embarrassed and says, yes, there's land. And basically, we have a quick lesson. Sea folk must wait for no land to be in sight before the women are allowed to strip back to nothing above the waist. So pretty, pretty great. And Coin gives her a punishment of cleaning the bilges. And I do not know what bilges are. But it sounds like it's something they do get to work naked, but it's not a tasteful chore. I, I, yeah. Is that yeah. the bathroom? Bilges, I believe, yeah, they're the, they're the, um, the outhouses. They're the Great. toilets, basically, yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I'm assuming. I don't know all that much about ships, but I'm pretty sure I, I've heard that okay. before. Uh, Elaine, that, you know, the woman leaves. Elaine gives coin reassurance. Only fools, a fool would take offense at customs different from her own. But at the same time, she's anxious. Does the whole crew get buck naked yeah. once we're on the open sea? So she is having a culture shock. Yeah. Um, but I do love this. When she does say, only a fool takes offense at customs different from her own, Nynaeve gave her a level look, bland enough for the Aes Sedai they were pretending to be, and took a deep swallow from her cup. So we know that Nynaeve knew that that stinging comment was meant for her. At least that's how I always read it. I guess I didn't see that. Okay. What? How so? Well, because uh, maybe it wasn't meant for her, but Nynaeve, like, took it. Because she said, um, only fools take offense at customs different from her own. And it was after uh, Nynaeve had given a big sniff about it. You know, Elaine, Elaine didn't gasp. also gasped. She didn't. She held she herself right back. she was there. See, I, I, I didn't, okay. I guess I didn't see it the same as you. Okay. I think it was just a diplomatic thing to say. Um, if anything, I think Nynaeve is saying, I know you're shocked too. I, that's how okay. I saw it. Oh, and that might be, that might be the correct interpretation. So um, Nynaeve, All art is interpreted differently by everybody, right? Nynaeve then requests to sail to Tanchico. She introduces a gift of passage, which is a note permitting up to 3,000 gold crowns to be withdrawn from a number of banks and money lenders in various cities. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And Coin affirms, well, that's a vast amount, even when I take into consideration you're asking me to change my plans. Um, but interesting factoid, Coin then explains, I said I are the only passengers sea folk are allowed to refuse. And this just burns Nynaeve's temper for Maureen not telling them well, that and, this was even a possibility. Well, and, and she goes, Coin goes on to say, and all I said I know this, so I understand why you're offering so much because you're trying to get us right. to to accept you because normally we never take Aes Sedai. Right. Ever. And so... And then even But they like, don't know. That's the thing. Maureen didn't tell them. How much do you them. want? I'm, and she's just ready to give all the money and now Elaine's going, oh, great. Who's watching the money now? Yeah. Do you mean to refuse this passage? If you do not carry Aes Sedai, why did you even bring us down here? Why not tell us up above and be done with it? I mean, I get her frustration, and she's, of course, pissed at Moraine. Yeah. So then it's a surprising conversation change, and it's actually, it's, it's about Rand. Yeah. Um, did you want to read part of that? He can wield the one power, so I've heard, and he holds the sword that cannot be touched. The Isle have come over the dragon wall to his call. I have seen several in the streets, and it is said they feel the stone. 
feel. They fill the stone. The stone of tears fallen and war breaks over the nations of the land. Those who once ruled have returned and been driven back for the first time. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Did you want me to keep going? Uh, was that Joran or was it Coin still talking? Uh, I believe that was the Salem mistress. That was Coin. Okay. Um, yeah, at that point, Elaine just clarifies, hey, that's prophecy of the dragon. But Coin's like, uh, you mean the Jendai prophecy, the prophecy of Cormor. Yes. And I mean, to the reader, we're like, no, it's the same guy. Um, so she says, I'll, I'll read this real quick if that's okay. Not the one you waited for in dread, the one we seek. Herald of a new age. At the breaking of the world, our ancestors fled to the safety of the sea while the land heaved and broke as storm waves do. It is said they knew nothing of the ships they took to flee, but the light was with them and they survived. They did not see the land again until it was still once until it was still once more. And by them much Jesus Christ. And by then much had changed. All Everything, the world, drifted on the water and the wind. It was in the years after that the Jendai prophecy was first spoken. We must wander the waters until the Koromor returns and serve him at his coming. We are bound to the sea. The salt water courses in our veins. Most of us had no foot on the land except to wait another ship, another sailing. Strong men weep when they must serve ashore. Women ashore go onto a ship to bear their children. Into a rowboat if no more is at hand, for we must be born on the water as we must die on it and be given and be given to it in death. And of course, my name's like, you'll have to wait a long fucking time if you expect me to wash any man's feet. So was Coromore what the Seanchin called them too? No. Or what did they call them? I thought they called them something special. Where wait the The, the Seanchin? Yeah, what did they say? Or the Ayo. No, I'm back to Falm, because it would, like, we're waiting for he who comes or something. There's, I thought they had a fancy name, too. They were waiting, those who wait, or the, the watchers. Okay, so the watchers were meant to wait for the return of... Of what? Of, well, of Archer Hawkwing's armies. Okay, of Archer I thought Hawkwing's, they had a fancy name. Of Archer Hawkwing's uh, um, descendants. Okay. The Aeo call him the Karakarn. He who comes with the dawn. Is that what you're thinking no, of? No, no. I was okay. definitely thinking of the something. I do fall. not believe the, the Sianchen, uh have... A name? Uh, other than the Dragon Reborn. Oh, okay. Uh, or even if we've gotten that. I'm not quite sure if we've gotten that. So I, I don't... I, I'm not sure. All right. Anywho, so what I got out of all that... Basically, yeah, they must wander the waters until the Cormo returns, serve him at his coming, and then Joran directly asks him, what is the purpose of your trip? And this is where Elaine decides to intervene. You know, Nynaeve's been running her mouth, so she just spells up, guess what, there's Black Aja and Tanchico, and, and they mean to stop the Cormor. So she's, that was quick thinking on her part. Yep. Like, you gotta bring us there so we can intervene. Yep. And that's um, pretty much enough, right? Um because Joran says a little bit more, the light sea is safe to dock in. We can take them, my sister. We must. Yeah, and this is the first time that they realized that... It was Joran's decision. The sail mistress was waiting on her sister to decide. Finder. 
Yeah. So why do you think that is before you get uh, to the next First chapter? read through, didn't think about okay. it. Okay. Wasn't too concerned. Captain, first mate, sisters, I don't know. Yeah. No, okay. Just, just not... counselors. You don't make a move without your counselor's word type yeah. stuff. Yeah. I passed right by it first read through. Okay. So, and we'll know why soon. Don't worry, readers. But coin nods in agreement. And this is where I had a moment, though. Do you think snaky people told Moraine anything about this as well? That the two women were assured passage on this ship? Because Moraine knew better that a Raker would not take Aes Sedai. And that they'd be pretending to be Aes Sedai. But Moraine seemed pretty certain when she intervened with them the night before. Like, hey, there's a Raker ship even in the morning. You're going with them. I don't know. You, we, you know, we never really talked about what we thought Moraine's questions would have been. Do you uh, think one It would of be them... impossible to guess. I can only guess through reading. Exactly. So one is knowing that Tom would go to Tanchico. But, and you know, very well, maybe Tom went by Raker. Maybe she knew that. But I think that she had a guarantee to Tom that he'd return from Tanchico, and that had to be a snaky question. I brought that up last episode. Okay, okay. Do you think it was a direct question about Tom, or do you think Tom might have just been in the answer? Kind Tom of the was way, in the answer. Kind of the way the, the Matt's yeah. questions were answered. They weren't answered yes or no. They were answered with, like, specific details. Which was unbelievably helpful to me to get more details. Even if it's puzzling, I'm like, boy, you get a lot of information versus... Yes. I mean, the great thing about uh, Jordan's writings is he he gives you so much information all the time. Yeah. But he leaves it vague enough that you don't know how everything fits together. So all I'm saying, I don't know the question, but I am interpreting that somewhere Moraine caught that they would the girls would arrive with the the, that they would get well. to, to Tanchico and that Tom would come back from Tanchico, basically. But I, I think this Raker ship was included. Okay. Because I'm not sure Moraine would have had the balls to send them that useless of a journey. You know, they would have just come right back like, yeah. uh, they said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're not going to Targalon. We're going with you, right? So anyway, this whole conversation gets interrupted. A man enters. He's wearing glasses, looking at a message. Um, not that Elaine has ever seen eyeglasses before, but apparently sea folk are known for their abilities in glassware. And for the record, I'm picturing Smee from Hook. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One hundred percent. The thin wired. I mean, we yeah. do know that those were like some of the first spectacles that were made, right? The the very thin, uh, thin yeah. wire spectacles. But it's just Coin's husband and cargo master just talking without even looking up. There's a fool trader who will pay 500 snow fox pelts from Candor for three small barrels of two river tobacco, and he'll arrive by midday. And then I'm going to be like, ah, oh, crap, the two rivers rumors are certainly true. If, if, if the tobacco is going for that much, that, that trader, that you, parent overheard, was not wrong. Do you know what that makes me think? White cloaks. Well, it, it makes me think, like, because like, Matt was the one that approached the trader about... Oh, it was Matt. Never yeah, heard. about uh, Two Rivers, and that's when he heard that um, White Cloaks were in the Two Rivers. Yep. Um, it makes me think that that guy that Matt had talked about is probably this trader. He was like, dude, you have three casks of Two Rivers to back? I will take it right now because I've oh, heard the rumors. I see what you're saying. Or, or someone like him, but it, yeah. it makes me... I like to think that same this guy. this same fool is the fool Forkbeard, right? Yeah. Who, who talked to Matt in the end about it. It would less confirm the rumor than if it's the same guy. 
Well, anywho, the dude looks up, coin announces, uh, my dear, we'll be on the high seas by midday. And we learn his name is Tomar. And Tomar Tor. is not, Tora is not happy with this directive. And he argues, um, he's trading, he's not been trading with Tanchico in mind. We're going the other direction. And remember, it was a pretty bad experience last year, which we had learned from Coin. It was a terrible winter to yeah. be docked there. And apparently everyone wants out of Tanchico, so then this poor ship it must be loaded with passengers on their way back. But Coin stands firm. And so he exits, giving her the salute for a deck boy. Yes. Big and insult. We, well, we have, to, we have to touch over it real fast. I, you uh, have to. <laughs> if, if, I, we, collectively. Okay. Yes. Um... Because he straight up says, wife, because when he first came in, he called her wife, right? That, yeah. that was his title for her. Um, and now he says, wife, no, sail mistress. You told me our next port was my inn. And I don't have to go on the fact that he changed his, um, th- her title, title mid sentence, is pretty, you know. Yeah. Pretty significant. And then, yes, he, he touches his, what was it, his fist to his chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently the cargo master slash husband of the wave mistress doesn't need to salute the wave mistress, right? They are equal in a lot of ways. She, she you know, runs the ship, yeah. but he runs the business end of everything. And she straight up says... I only have to reach my hand out to have it filled with gold because of his trading. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I owe him a debt. So after he leaves, yeah, that's where she names him Torum. And then she murmurs she'll have to make it up to him. And specifically, it's the fact she's keeping secrets yeah. from him about who Nynaeve and Elaine really are. Not so much about the abrupt change in schedule. Was there a reference to makeup sex as well? There was. Okay. There I was. So. There was. And that's um, the easy stuff and enjoyable. So don't worry about that. Yes. Yes. Uh, she says straight up there. Of course, it is pleasant making up with him. Usually, he's but he saluted me like a deck boy sister. Yeah. So Coin explains their presence as Aes Sedai must be kept secret because go figure their bad luck. Also, wouldn't be good if the crew found out they're heading toward Tanchico, where there's other Aes Sedai who might serve the Father of Storms. Yeah. I like that nickname. The Father of Storms is one yeah. of my favorites. That was, that's a good one. So both women tuck away their rings, but Elaine is kind of struggling with this because she likes that power that people look at her. Um, there's a small tidbit where Joran asks if the cargo master has ever mutinied against his sail mistress. Yeah. To which Coin answers something about putting the gift of passage from her own chest and then also threatening her sister to the bilges if Torm ever hears about it. To join, uh, what was her name, Danelle? Dorel. Dorel. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Coin somewhat apologizes to Nynaeve and Elaine for not being able to treat them properly and share baths and drink wine together. But at that moment, the boat crazy lurches and rocks back and forth. So they run up to the top of the deck to check the cause and the possible damage. Kind of similar to what happened to Perrin and crew right before leaving to get to the wave. Yes. Yes. Did you connect those dots the first time? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, they're not the hard. the first time, excuse me, the first time when I started reading the next chapter, because in the moment I'm like, oh, they took off. 
Because oh, I, I, I'm not yeah, a shit yeah, yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, sounds like the boat already left. Yeah. But you figure out immediately in the next chapter. Yeah, so... so like so, the, the, to be fair, I just thought the boat was leaving. So essentially, everything that happened in the chapter that we, pre, that we covered last week uh, with, with uh, Jen... Aaron. Yeah. Um, is happening pretty much simultaneously yes. as this chapter right now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I know there was a description. I think it's just a dirty little port dock area. I kind of glossed over it just to say they're getting out of a bumpy carriage ride and Nynaeve is just pissy. Yeah. And pretty pissy to the extent Elaine has to give twice the amount of tip to the driver than she was going to, but she... Does do the sweet words, you know, yeah. following her mother's advice. I'll, I'll read it really fast. When they get out of the carriage, Nynaeve jumps out and basically says, Tumbled about like a hen in a windstorm, thumped like a dusty rock. How did you manage to find every last rut and hole between here and the stone, good man? That, tr- that took true skill. A pity none of it goes into handling horses. Yeah, and like we've talked about before, don't treat, you know, service employees, people who are providing services to you like shit. I mean, that's, that's, and so of course, Elaine, being the diplomat that she is, thank you for bringing us swiftly and safely. We told you to go fast and you did as we asked. The streets are not your fault and you did an excellent job under poor conditions. And he so, kind of really appreciates that. And no, to be does. fair, Elaine had a moment where she thought to herself, of course they'd give us a windowless carriage and this dirty, dusty ride. Yeah. So it isn't that Nynaeve necessarily totally incorrect, but it was also unavoidable. Yeah. If you're asking to go fast on poor streets. Yeah. Yep. So yep. kind of shows their characters again. That's just what I thought. Like Nynaeve is still a grouch. Elaine is still doing the, dip, that you called it, right? Diplomatic yeah. approach. We do get a little bit of um, meekness. I don't know if it's, that's the right word, but uh, apology maybe from, from Nynaeve after Elaine pays yeah. him and pays him more than she really needed to because of the way Nynaeve treated him. We do get a little bit of a acknowledgement yeah. from Nynaeve that maybe I shouldn't have treated him that way. I was just really flustered. And we also know that Nynaeve is quite a reactionary type person. For sure. So. Um, which probably worked in the Two Rivers. But it, oh. yeah, for her and Aguilene, it's yeah. like, this isn't working for you guys to be calm eyes to that. Um, but Elaine does directly tell Nynaeve, hey, you know, maybe with the sea folk, you could practice some tactfulness. And I'm like, good on you, Elaine. Way to just explain it to her. Yeah. And, and that's where Nynaeve kind of receives that somewhat okay, but does jab at Elaine, you know, you don't spend so much money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of fun because we're immediately getting this glimpse at the duo without a queen and just thinking, how are they going to manage these dynamics without the usual... Uh, struggle. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely know that um, Nynaeve and Egwene have history and they've had some issues trying to figure out what their relationship is now that everything has changed, right? On both ends. Like, yeah. like uh, Egwene's been trying to, like, show her adulthood and, and, and independence towards Nynaeve, and Nynaeve's not quite sure how to handle it because it's just not something she's used to. Um, 
But I definitely think that, and, and, and in that equation, Elaine has always been the peacekeeper. Yeah. So now we have to see how this works because we also know that between the three of them, Egwene and Elaine are the friends. Yes. Right? And Nynaeve is the that, older woman who doesn't have any friends, so she hangs out with them. And that's what strikes me. I feel like I've had this in my personal life where you have a trio, I'm better friends with one, and maybe the other is better. You know, we're the middle person's the better friend with each of us. And yeah. And you remove that middle person, and it's just kind of, it's not always awkward, but it is a different dynamic. Yeah. Just hang out as a duo because the middle person, you know, had to leave or something, and... That's why maybe I'm interested in how Robert Jordan perceives this. Because I'm like, it's very real. Yeah. Yeah, no, he does a, he does a good job at writing yeah. their relationships with each other. Uh, albeit frustrating, but... Yeah. So they arrive to the narrow raker ship that Maureen had told them about. And Elaine immediately observes, this might toss worse than the carriage once we're on the open seas. But, oh, I, I kind of mixed in a few things. There's a small context dump of the Athanir being very secretive folks yeah. with little known of them or their ways. That gets brought up here and there. And quick description, workers on the ship are described as dark, barefooted, tattooed, straight black hair, and they have jewelry. It's like on their neck, their ears. Women have some jewels in their noses. Um, Elaine has a moment where she thinks of a piercing, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pierced nose. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and like... At first she notices the, the earrings, but then she notices the, the nose rings, and that's when she's like, ooh. And then she actually, well, we haven't gotten to it yet. Um, I don't know if I put it in exactly where she thought about it, but it's just kind of fun because I'm picturing these folks as like, oh, they'd fit in decently well in today's era. <laughs> just like tattoos, jewelry, come on over. So do you know what this makes me think of? No. Um, what? At, at, at the um, amusement park. Closest to where I grew up in Utah is called Six Lagoon. Oh. It's called Lagoon, and there, there's two rides actually, but there's one ride that's it's a pirate ship. Yep. And it goes back and forth, and you know I think then most, it eventually goes around. Valley yeah, Fair. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Valley Fair has one. Yep. Yeah, um, but ship. all the all the pirates that are surrounding it are darker, okay. uh, uh, vests yes. or bare chested. The I, women are wearing. Scamp, you know, like like just like a one piece over their bosoms, you know, uh, to, to quote Robert Jordan. Um, uh, they have tattoos, they have earrings, you know what I mean? And then there's yes. another one that's a magic carpet ride okay. that goes up and, and, they look more like and down and they look more like Arabian, so they're a little bit darker skinned, right. but also tattoos, sashes, earrings, nose rings. So this is what... I feel like Robert Jordan went to a decent amount of amusement parks growing up, and this is kind of what he had in mind for what sea folk might look like. Yeah, I, I did get a pirate feel out of them, too, which would make sense. So, Nynaeve Aguin approached the two women waiting at the top of the ladder, and Elaine reminds Nynaeve, keep in mind what Moraine, you know, like the vocabulary Moraine gave us, and tact. Um... Did you want to read how Nynaeve introduces herself to Sailmistress? The prophecy is being fulfilled. He is the Quarmore. Aesodai serve him. You are proof of that. That you are here in this city. That is in the prophecy as well. The white tower shall be broken by his name. The Aesodai shall kneel to wash his feet and dry them with their hair. So Elaine suggests at one point after he goes on about these legends, legendary people, 
why don't you talk to sea folk for answers? And that's one point where he laughs and calls her just like her mother. And this just pisses her off. But again, readers do know. No, really, he knows your mom. She expected him to call her girl again or, or, or say that she was foolish. And that's what she was prepared to. But instead, he says, practical and to the point, just like your mother. <laughs> Both feet on the earth and few flights of fancy. It's cute. It's it, again to the reader. It's cute, but she's she doesn't get it. He so, was a glee man after all. He should not speak of a queen in such familiar tones. Oh, Elaine, you just don't know, do you? Yeah, she's ignorant of it. It's yeah. So Tom talks about how even the sea folk know little else. I believe he's referring to what's beyond the waste, right? Yes. Like there's high walls, so they might be sailing, but there's high walls they can't see. And even back in the day. When the Kyrians were permitted to cross the silk path through the waste, and so they can't... Before Laman cut down the tree. <laughs> Idiot. But they couldn't see anything either, because there weren't there walls for them as well. Yes, Something and, if, and if, somebody ha- if any Kyrian happened to wander away from the specific meeting place, they were never heard from again. Yeah, that's interesting. And then we're back to, what's her name? Tigrane's brother? Someone who her brother was in the waste and not... Or was it Lan's uh, stepmother? I don't know. Did she? Lan's did they cousin? mention that right there? Did I miss something? No. no oh, okay, okay. You're you're just thinking about things. Okay. Where they got lost in the waste and never came. It seems like a common theme, um, and you do kind of wonder where they who's taking them. Yeah. I think it's a who's taking them. I don't. It never sounds like they're dead unless the Aiel attacked them. Okay. Um. Yeah. Maybe there's a commune. I don't know. But there's no returning then. I'm joking. There's no commune. We so get anyway. a name. Elaine suggests he talk to the cargo master because the cargo master was planning to travel as far east to Shara. And this wakes Tom up out of this like long speech because he's never heard of it before. He suddenly gets really intent and it's obvious he wants it for his knowledge database. Yep. But Elaine, even though she was getting annoyed with him, wants him aloof again because that's that's what's helping her remember him better. She just wants him laughing. Yeah. That's... Clearly, that's something she's remembering. Well, and she scolds herself a little bit for, like, letting her, her uh, tongue flap, right? Yeah. For, for indulging too much information. Yeah, and it's funny because I never even caught the cargo master mentioned Ashara. But good for you, Elaine. You did. Elaine is on the brink of figuring out who Tom is. She's thinking of childhood. But then suddenly she just excuses herself from the conversation, believing, oh, he'll just think it's the ship's movements. But it's interesting because she's drawn towards someone using the power. And who is it? Joran. It's Joran. Joran the Windfinder. Windfinder. She's Jorin a Windfinder because she's using the power. She's yes. surrounded by the glow of the true source. And she's, I think she's at like a Windfinder station. That's what I called it. Maybe I made that up. Uh, she's a, she's she's at the the bow of the deck. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. She, she's yeah. like she's basically at the the front of the ship. You know. Um, doing the whole uh, uh, Leo uh, DiCaprio yep. thing yep. At, at the front of the ship, you know, but she's not, she doesn't have her arms out and pretends that she's flying. And of course, Elaine's the only one who can see the true source glow for the yes. record. Um, but Elaine does join her. Joran's done with it, but it does say, I felt you watching in the middle of my work. Um, so basically, she called the wind to keep them sailing strong as requested by Coin and to please. The Aes Sedai and the Koromor, she had her doubts about doing it because clearly she was discovered. Well, and th- this is when Elaine pipes in. This is why the sea folk do not carry Aes Sedai. So the tower won't learn when finders can channel. 
That is why it was your decision to let us aboard, not your sister's. Turin, the tower will not try to stop you. There is no law in the tower to stop any woman channeling, even if she is not Aes Sedai. Your white tower will interfere. It will try to reach onto our ships, where we are free of the land and landsmen. It will try to tie us to itself, binding us away from the sea. The wave that has passed cannot be called back. Yeah, that's Isn't a good that? line. I definitely, yeah, I love that line. I definitely get her, uh, you know, frustration and and, and and they do they do go on. You, you probably have this in your notes. Uh, assuming you mean that's why the real reason why Coin was able to outrun the Seanchin ship. Because Doran fought back. She threw fire. And she does, she does mention how, like, they didn't realize... Yeah. That they're the the women on on the the Sianshan ships were slaves were were yeah. were fighting unbeknownst you know like but like, I made a note because Elaine just keeps going but I was like Elaine tell her that the women couldn't there was no hope because if the women were still the domain were linked to their soldan they were like Elaine gives no reassurance to her whatsoever because Doran feels terrible yeah. Yep, but yep. what she, Elaine does say is, no, I, I'm just going to try to keep this a secret. But again, Joran's just like, nope, <laughs> this is, you can't do that. You yeah. can't promise that. But, well, and, well, and Elaine straight up says, I'm, I can't promise you that yeah. I can keep this a secret. But I, I can promise you that I will do whatever within my power to keep your people free. Yeah. And that's when, that's when Joran lets her know... Uh, we we do send a few uh, girls, you know, trickle every once in a while. We 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 send a girl to the White Tower just to keep the the Aes Sedai off our backs because let's face it, at this point in the story, we all know that Aes Sedai are nosy fucking assholes. Sometimes they stick their nose in everything. They want to control everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Elaine kind of sort of switches topic and just is like, so why do sea folk call ships he? And then, I don't know if you want to read Doran's answer, but... Sure, 335. It's just a strain, yeah. And they do, they, I didn't highlight it too much in this, but it's always, he is going fast. The men will give you a different answer. Speaking of strength and grandness and the like, as men will, but this is the truth. A ship is alive, and he is like a man with a true man's heart. Treat him well and care for him properly and he will fight for you against the worst sea. He will fight to keep you alive even after the sea has long since given him his death stroke. Neglect him, though. Ignore the small warnings he gives of danger and he will drown you in a flat sea beneath a cloudless sky. And I love that description. <laughs> a flat sea in a cloudless yeah. sky. But if you don't take care of your boat or your man, right. that's what will happen. Well, Robert Jordan and his relationship dynamics. I really enjoy the sea folk. Like, just, they're yeah. kind of like uh, philosophy towards life and how everything mm-hmm. um, revolves around the ocean in a lot of ways it reminds me of the movie Moana yeah where they used to be bound to sea and then eventually they became terrified of it but uh anyways that reminds me I was in Peru once on Lake Titicaca there's a few uh villages that are on the lake they're just they they have to like weave the reeds together and kind of keep making it but 
So I have met sea folk before. Yeah. Now it's on a lake, so there's definite boundaries, but it's a big lake. It's still pretty fucking cool. Anywho, Elaine um, just says, Joran, will you teach me how to make the wind like that? And that, that totally surprises Joran. But she does a sweet little agreement that we both shall learn. And yeah. it, it's, it's a sweet ending, kind of weird. But at the same, I just, my thoughts from all this, I had this back of my mind thought, could part of the lack of Aes Sedai in the tower also be related to captured slaves the Sea Anchin keep conquering? How many domain do they have? Um. Because now I'm worried. I, see, now I have to think about, like, what information we've already gotten. Um, we know they're wanted, but it seems like possibly richer Sea have more than, you know, the ones we met in Falm because they didn't want to waste... But did a we, man and woman burning together holding the... It, it, okay, so, okay, so we do know that the Cianchen, uh test pretty much every girl to see if they yeah. can wear the bracelet yeah. or wear the collar. Um, so you have to imagine that that's where most of the Demone and Soldam come from. Right. Are, are, but, but are, are, are from Cianchen. Potential um, power. So... The 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 sea folk only sending a couple girls now and then to the White Tower is not a new thing. Yeah, that's something that's been no, going that, on for and generations. And that wasn't on my mind. I'm talking about Cianchin because it was it was when we were thinking about the Cianchin and even the sea folk didn't realize there's. Oh God! I I you know what I misread. I wasn't really listening to you. I was reading your notes and I misread Aes Sedai and. Uh, um, it's so, still, still like the Sanchin is a fairly new phenomenon. Could the lack of Aesidai in the tower be related to the captured slaves? The Sanchin in the Westlands, in where we are in the story, it's it's a new phenomenon. It, it it's so I don't so think not, that, they haven't been infiltrating for a while. Now. No, I I think the lack of Aesidai in the tower is the fact that it's just the power the, dwindling. Well, the Aesidai are convinced that the power is dwindling, and they're not going out searching for people. That they're not actually—they're killing all the men. Yeah. Genetics, guys, take science. Because we do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't have much more to comment. I think it's explained as you go on that one. I mean, it's fun to find all that stuff out. It was a great surprise first read through that Joran is also Aes Sedai. Yes. Well, I, I, mean, I she, didn't guess that till it was obvious. Hold on, she's not Aes Sedai. She's just. Yeah, she, she, she can. She can. She can. She can use Sidar. Same difference to me. No. Okay. No, does. it's and you know what? If you would say that to Joran, she would slap you. She'd be like, "I'm not Aes Sedai." Slap me. She'd be like. Like, no, an Aes Sedai is a very respected station, and okay. you have to be trained in the tower to All be right, Aes so it was a great surprise that Joran <laughs> okay. Sorry, I just have to... I, I, I can have to tell, make... you're nerding out. Thank you. So, chapter well, 21, we're... Into the Heart. Okay. Ready? Yes. This is a Moraine chapter. It's mostly in her head, but it is a lot of interesting thoughts. She's walking past rows and rows of high lords and lesser lords, all in their frilly outfits and pointed hats. I thought of a Voldemort type of conference. It just mm-hmm. felt like... <laughs> sure, sure. Whatever they were called. The, the Terrans or the Death Eaters? I, I, yeah. I can follow. I can, I, can, I can get behind that. But they're obviously in the stone, right? She's walking... Yes, they're in the heart of the stone. The heart of the stone. She's with a green, and the crowd just parts way because they do not like Aes Sedai. Like, it's more obvious than ever. It's just like they're lepers. Um, Moraine's annoyed lamb isn't present. Clearly, he's being tugged by Nynaeve. 
And Moraine even has a distinct thought, well, Nynaeve can have him when I die, but not before. So. Yeah. She also thinks about how Rand is also taking a lot of his attention, which she's grateful for, but still annoys her. Yeah, but she's glad because it's another puppet string. You really start to see that she is she's, a puppeteer. She's very much the puppet master right now. The master, master, master of puppets pulling Rand's strings. You already Just, know that song. Um, but then I'm also like, oh, well, Moraine's just going to have to die in this series because we have to make sure Lan is happy. But okay. that doesn't mean it'll happen. Um, and I do like Moraine. I still do, even though we're getting that other half of her a little more honest thoughts. There's a moment she stares down Lady Letha because Lady Letha rudely shifted skirts as Moraine walked by. And Moraine was not going to tolerate the open disrespect. And it worked. Leitha had to look down. Mm -hmm. And I think it helped kind of spread in the crowd. Other people also maybe slightly more respectful than they yeah. were before. I mean, it says right there, she could accept that these people hated Aes Sedai, but she would not endure open rudeness on top of veiled slights. So she'll take the, vi the veiled slights, but she's not going to take the open rudeness. That is not going to happen. Which again, I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Stand up for yourself. Like, has probably been a crappy time to be in terror. Oh, yeah. So, as they're walking, Moraine asks Aguin, Do you know anything Rand will announce? But of course, Aguin does not. No. Nope. Um, apparently, Moraine is fishing a little bit, but Aguin doesn't seem to know about the Two Rivers rumors either. Although, Aguin then kind of gets her temper the best of her, and Rand calls Rand a wolverine mule. The usual. But Maureen actually reflects a little bit like, yeah, it sucks when it's your former sweetheart just making yeah. out with Elaine, your yeah. best friend in every corner. So. Yeah, because she almost, she, she kind of like, she's almost trying to get Egwene to like, like maybe strike up a relationship with him again. Yep, try and try and try and get him in her confidences. And, Talking again. And, but Egwene has already like, in her mind, she's already let that go. She's like, no, we're, we're not together. Yeah. So. Um, then Moraine's thoughts drift. Well, Elaine and Nynaeve must be on the raker already. I wonder if they'll confirm my suspicions about Windfinders. Yeah. And there it is. It's yep. like, Moraine, you do know everything. She at least has suspicions of everything. She and Tom are on the same level. Maybe they're cousins. Well, Maybe. So readers also learn that Moraine believes the Mazarin Tame theory over the Tan Chico theory. And as far as she's concerned, that Amarlin will take matters into her own hand for Mazarin. And Tan Chico is a good excuse to get the young woman out of the way, despite it not working to include a Um, So I thought that was interesting. So she really is... I think Tom was theorizing... Some, someone was theorizing Moraine just wants us out of the way. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she does. Yeah. Get out. She doesn't want anybody influencing Rand except for herself. So they arrive... Egwene and Moraine arrive to the small dome in the center where Kalendor once was... Oh, I had a typo in my book. Enjoy this. Read the last sentence and then read the next sentence on the first page. This one right here? Yep. Here beneath this dome, untouched by any hand for more than 3,000 years, untouchable by any hand but that of the dragon reborn, untouchable by any hand but that of the dragon reborn. They both ended with periods. It wasn't a comma emphasize. It was 
Huh. I know. Okay. I oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Brett and Danny often point out um, errors. errors in the writings. I don't know if they pointed that one out. I it don't remember. It annoyed me because I was trying to get, why is she emphasizing this? And then I realized it's not. It's an error. Yeah. So it's here beneath this dome, untouched by any hand for more than 3,000 years, comma, untouchable by any hand but that of the dragon reborn. And then... Yeah, and then it, it's uh, uncapitalized, untouchable by any hand, but that of the Dragon Reborn. Wow. Page go. 340. What edition is this? Or maybe That's it crazy. was an emphasis. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> that is very clearly a typo. <clears throat> and actually, we will get back to Calendor, so don't worry. Um, I Again, I might be glassing over stuff. Catch what you want. But Moraine does see the High Lady Ultima. And Egwene throws some pity towards her for being an almost widow. And at that moment, Moraine is inwardly glad. Egwene still shows pity and not total hardness, wanting her to be malleable in order to be shaped better. Which again, I'm like, Moraine, you puppet master. Um, and this is where Moraine astutely observes Tom missed a target. Lady Altima is much yeah. more dangerous than her lover or her husband, preferring to be in the background pulling strings. Sounds like you, Moraine. Yeah. However, she might be distracted with her long-running feud with Lady Estanda. So, I felt, after reading that, I'm like, I'm guessing we'll meet Lady Altima again. Okay. I'm sorry. We have to pause. I was, I was, I was looking at what the edition... This is a first edition. So, um, and this is one that I got out of a second-hand store years and years ago. Um, Mine was the same, whatever edition I got. So, you had the same as me. So, Maureen has some regret for sending Tom away because he'd just take care of this, but also she wants Rand to be only guided by herself and moving forward with exactly. the prophecies. Yep. And I'm, this is where I'm like, look, lady, prophecies happen one way or another. I don't think they happen because of hand-holding. Like, that's, that starts to sound fake to me. If you're forcing him to do prophecies, that almost sounds fake. Maureen, get a grip. Yeah, and prophecies I, are being interpreted in different ways. Sure. I, po po possibly. Uh, but Moraine mutters aloud as they're still waiting. Oh, Rand must be learning to be a king and be fashionably late. But she didn't realize she <laughs> talked aloud, so it's kind of funny. Where is he? He's learned the first art of kings, it seems, making people wait. She didn't realize she had spoken aloud until Egwene gave her a startled look. That's funny. It's so funny. Now it's we're, just funny. We're, well, we're seeing her cracks. <laughs> like, we're seeing yeah. her... her uh, because that's not Rand's plan, everyone. Rand has a different announcement. Yes, yes, he has. He has a very, uh, almost crooked smile that doesn't touch his eyes. Mm. He does not like them. So and I've been thinking in my head, yeah. how 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 does an actor smile in a villainous way without it touching their eyes. Oh, this was like, this was totally the model video on TikTok. Haven't you seen it? No, oh, I don't go on yeah. TikTok. I don't... Uh, yeah, it, it's doable. Actually, the funny, I'm going to go all the way back to 10th grade English because it was a line in a book we read in Mrs. Schroeder's class about the smile didn't touch their eyes. And my best friend Ashley and I, for the rest of the year, would practice like <laughs> horrible smiles where it wouldn't touch your eyes. It is doable. Basically, like, you just have to put your eyebrows back down. But it's so, so doable. Yeah. And then when you're asking what actor, I'm like, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey well, is a master of facial expressions. Like, look to him. So, so But it, I, it's basically, like, don't, don't move any of your eye muscles. And it is just... 
Yeah? It's fake, but it's also... Yeah, it's villainous. Look in the mirror. Do I look villainous right now? Not now, because you started explaining, huh? No, no. I started smiling for real. I was trying to smile for fake. I'm not. I'm not good at being fake. That's not. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. Um, you yeah. like bullshit. And especially if it's a half <laughs> smile. I mean, you and your kids yeah. can play around with this later. It's actually kind of fun to do, but it was amusing. For well, friends and I friends. was. I was specifically thinking about uh, Yosha Serdowski, the actor who's playing Rand, and I've seen a lot of pictures of him where he's just got this gleeful, boyish oh. smile, and he looks so happy. And I'm like. Is this kid going to be able to, to pull off like this, hey, this, this scary smile? He's uh, he's an actor who Bill Skarsgård. I mean, holy yeah. crap! Okay, 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 holy crap, okay. You're the you're, no, you're right. Ever. You're right. Yeah. Okay. And then I see him goofing with his brothers. I'm like, oh my god, you're human. Yeah. No. No. I. I. Okay. You're right. Um. But but it is. You're not wrong though. That is. It's an interesting challenge, but I'm yeah. going to believe. I'm going to believe. Oh, I, I definitely think that they can pull it off. Like, I definitely think Yosha Stradowski is a talented actor, and he'll be able to pull it off. Um, just like I think It is fun to imagine. I'll give you that. Yeah. No, and I'm not going to lie. Um, by this time in the series, the Amazon series, I'm going to be very, very closely looking for the creepy, the crazy smile that doesn't touch the eyes. I think Padan Fane will be the best at it, and they don't need to even say it. I just uh, have a feeling. Unless it's madness in his eyes. But. Yeah. That, have you seen the actor who plays No, Padan I Fane? haven't been looking. He, he already looks quite menacing. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, show, I'll show it to you after the episode. He's... Well, my frame of reference, too, is, of course, Game of Thrones, which I haven't watched since the last season. So, but I'm, there have to be several in that series who conquered the smiling without their eyes. Uh, probably one of the... Um, uh, Targaryen, or... Um, other one. Uh, the uh, Lannisters. Lannisters. Who's Daddy Lannister? I think he could do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that guy, that guy, I mean... He's awesome. That guy has... What's his name? Uh, um... The oh. the character or the actor? The actor is the, amazing. Because the char- the actor is Charles Dance. He's, he's and he's good. been in a lot. He's been in a lot of things. I'm he's pretty in, sure And then there were none. It's an Agatha Christie and I never I read that book. I, I would just say everyone watch the BBC version when you get a chance. Um I believe he was in uh Star Wars. I'm pretty yeah. sure he was one of the the um, and and listeners, let me know if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he was in one of the original three Star Wars as 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 one of the like stormtroopers. No, 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 no. As one of the like commanders, the Ooh, the yeah. rebel or not rebel, the imperial commanders. Wow. Um, <laughs> I did not know that. Either that or or uh, Indiana Jones. He was in one of those. And anyways, he has, he has a storied career. That guy's been acting forever. Of course he can pull off an evil smile. Yeah. Anyways, big rant about smiles. Sorry, you guys. It's important. <laughs> so, Rand's official announcement. He clarifies again. The army is to march to Kyrian. Oh, High Lord Milan will command. Okay. Under him, High Lords Gaim, Arakam, Hearn, Marakam, Simon... I may have misspelled some of those. They're all going to be going. And don't worry, the armies are graciously funded by the High Lord Torian, who will be joining them to make sure his money is spent wisely. 
now the crowd has shut up and it's pretty clear Torian might not have been aware of his financing arrangements. But Moraine thinks to herself, good job, Rand. You moved the seven deadliest threats to your wellness. Yeah. And they probably won't be plotting with each other because they don't trust each other as well. So probably solid information to Tom. Kudos to Tom. Um, but this, she even has a moment. But is this really what the snaky people told Rand? Because she's assuming he's going off of what the snaky people told him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Mylan, Melon. Mylan, Mylan, yeah, Malin, Malin, I think. Malin. Lord Malin begins to argue with Rand. Hey, not a good idea intervening a civil war. You know, those people are eating bark and leaves. But Rand just cuts him off and is like, I, I didn't quite understand that. I threw it in there in case you had more thoughts. I know who I mean to sit on the sun throne, because that's the Chiron throne, right? Yeah. Um, but then I'll, Rand just continues talking. Um, you're not going to conquer, but to restore order and peace and to feed the hungry. <clears throat> There's more grain in the granaries now than Tyr could sell. And the farmers will harvest as much more this year unless you disobey me. Wagons will carry it north behind the armies. And those peasants, those peasants will not have to eat bark and any longer, my lord. Malon. Yeah. It's basically like, fuck you, you pretentious piece of shit. I'm sending you to feed people, not to start a war. Kind of, Rand's almost pulling a Danny Targaryen in a way of like, let me reverse the shit on you guys now. And kind call of. call you out when you're being prissy. Kind of. When, when Danny was yeah. crazy, of course. Yeah. So yeah. what's with the Sun Throne? Or is that not too important right now? He knows who he he intends to sit on the sun throne. But we I, don't know. We we haven't gotten that information yet. Okay. Do you have any guesses? <laughs> I hope it's not Lanthier. Oh my gosh. Cause, no, no. He figured out she's a Forsaken. Okay, yeah, I sorry. would assume that he doesn't want a Forsaken to be right. a queen. I thought he still saw her as... Lee. No, no, okay. no. We found out uh, a couple chapters ago. I wish it were like Moraine, but I guess that's not going to happen. She's Aes Sedai and kind of we're learning a control freak. I don't know. No, I honestly don't know. Oh, That's why I started. I'm like, what does he mean? It's not, probably not Matt. Probably not Perrin. No? God, I hope it's not Matt. But Um yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody right now is trusting Matt to lead a nation. Yet. Yet Matt. I don't know. You'll have your day. I'm just saying. Alright, if just, just is suddenly happy, I knew Rand wouldn't start a war, but Moraine just cautions, you know, there's gonna be equal death with this order as well she has inward thoughts basically disappointed rand isn't going forward with um going towards the forsaken like she he could go towards samuel and Ilion, you know right now kind of starts to get worried is Lanfear manipulating rand yeah and again determines to watch rand even closer so that kind of hints maybe she knew Lanfear has been visiting rand maybe has she been watching him that close well, he told her. Oh, he told after, her. After the, after the, the Stone Stands yeah. chapter, he told her straight up that okay. Lanfear was here. She talked to me and she didn't try to kill me. In fact, I think she was aiding me. Got it. Okay. So she knows that they've had communication with each other. And, and, and I, I think guess... that's why her worry is like, Lanfear is definitely going to be trying to get herself okay. wedged into that relationship. Like... And from my perspective, I don't think Lanfear was manipulating him towards the Sun Throne. I, I can't remember her talking anything uh, Kyrian. I, 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 yeah. But anywho, next. The only Kyrian dump we get from, from that conversation is 
he's talking about how he can restore her lands in Kyrian, and she's like, Kyrian, I might have had lands there once upon a time, and then she reveals who she is, which basically just, she becomes hotter than she already was. That's a good superhero cause. More ripened. Okay. I hate that descriptor. Oh, so next, Ren has more announcements. Lady Ultima will be in charge of food distribution. And this is the first time Moraine thinks, mm, mistake. You messed up. Because Ultima, the dangerous, is going to come back with more plots and power. Then Rand announces Lady Ultima's husband is clearly too sick for travel, so Lady Estada will watch over Estanda. him. Estanda. will watch over him in her apartments until he's well. And Ultima faints. So Yeah. So is the issue Ultima has been poisoning her husband little by little? Or? Yeah. Yeah, and Estanda, I believe, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure Estanda is the wife of the man that she was sleeping with who got killed by, do you have the names? No, um, I didn't write the names down. The the husband's name, like uh, Altima's husband. Anyways, Altima is poisoning her husband. I'm pretty sure Estanda is... The wife of the man that was killed okay. by Altima's husband because they were having an affair. I believe so. And so, but, well, but, but whether, whether that's right or not, Estanda is her biggest rival. Her yes. husband knows that she is against him. So the two of them working together to like destroy her is not a good thing. Yeah. So, so this is where Rand kind of proves he knows. He does know Lady Ultima is still dangerous, right? This oh, yeah. Is the proof. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Moraine, yeah. he knows. Yeah, so Moraine at first was like, oh, you screwed up. And then she's like, ooh, actually, you're scarier than I thought. Low, low. <laughs> yeah, and Aguin even picks up, Rand just did something clever, didn't he? And cruel. Because Rand looks down a little embarrassed. And I'm yep. just like, no, don't, you can't. This is how women get power over men, I think. Yeah. They use the, I don't know, pity card. But Moraine admires Egwene that she at least picked up on this. So again, Moraine really wants to shape Egwene. So oh yeah, we can't blame her with all that power. Oh, very much so. Again, a prodigy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at this point, our buddy Estian makes an appearance. He's holding up his dad, Torian. There it is. You predicted correctly. I was so shocked when you made that prediction. I was like, "Fuck!" Do you and- remember? I can guarantee you I gl- glided over this first read-through, so second read-through, I just thought their names were similar. Anywho, Estian's shouting, Lord Dragon, you must lead us. And Rand does a new announcement, the final one. Uh, I gotta go away. Yeah. And Rand slams Kalindor back into the stone. I didn't write the description, but kind of lightning-ish. It causes yeah. the whole fucking stone of tear to tremble. The, the surrounding lands to tremble. The, the water. The, the water where all the ships are. The the um, the stable where where Perrin is trying to leave with Gaul and the maidens and and Loyal and Fael. Like like yeah. he's causing shit to go awry right now. That is what happened. And it is... It's a big deal. Extreme. All so, right. chapter 20, winds rising. Here we go. So, on deck, Elaine sees water lurching all around, hears men on the dock shouting about earthquakes. She sees the birds above the stone flying wildly, and then and she quickly, she even quickly puts together, I think Rand did this. Um... 
So yes, that same earthquake that Perrin and Fael felt. Nynaeve rants about... Oh, oh, I skipped something. I think I um, deleted some notes accidentally. So that's all happening. And then they notice there's two men aboard now. And one happens to be none other than Julian Sander, thief catcher, and the other Tom Marilyn, the glee man. Neither appearing to know the other. Yeah. Yeah. And so Coin is announcing the ship was not damaged and he will sail within the hour if we can find a Tyrant pilot. Again, a little tidbit. It's necessary by law if the sea folk ever want to return. They must have this Tyrant dude aboard. Yep. Otherwise, no permission to ever come back to Terra. Even though they're such apt sailors and ship folk, they really don't need it's... a Terran um, pilot. But apparently, the fingers of the dragon are very are, are like this this uh, conglomeration of very complicated, like mazy type channels. channels. Yeah. And any any wrong move can can send you right into like a like a a bank. You know, but it does sound like I, I just I kind of I didn't have the right word for it, but it's that useless admin people. Not that admin people don't have a place, but I feel America is known for we're going to tell you to do something different. And now we have to hire two people to tell you how to do something different. And yeah. now you're going to have to give them money in order for you to, you know, it's one yeah. of those. You just want money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Tyron. Well, we also get some uh, I wasn't going to touch on this, but we also get some uh, uh, exposition dumps. About how, like the closer to sea, the 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 city kind of drifts away, and now it's nothing I, but just I like very very later. small villages. Okay. Yeah, because okay. the Elaine has a moment, and it did seem important enough for her growth, but she's recognizing how foolish it is that the tyrants have imposed such a heavy tax for building that no one there's no nothing but villages because they're so afraid of another city growing in power. Yeah, and and the more buildings, the higher the yeah. tax. So It's like freaking monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it it doesn't make sense. So they they basically it, it's very much a suppressive government. Yeah. It's in not healthy. Yeah, they want all the riches in the city near the stone and for the high the, lords. Yeah. I mean, it's almost specifically for the high lords. And basically the rest of the country is nothing but these tiny, 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 yeah. maybe 50 to 100 people villages that, that mostly are either farming or right. fishing. And the high lords treat them like shit. Yeah. And I'll touch a bit on that later. So Coin tells the women, oh, so these men asked for passage and it is custom to allow them passage aboard because they asked and obviously they're not I said I. But she does indicate you guys can decide what's best recourse going forward. Um, but we also find out Coin has used Julian services in the past, and he did good and fast, yeah. honest work. So, yeah. Which isn't yeah. always necessarily normal for a thief catcher. No, he's all he's already a very respected yeah. uh, thief catcher. So Nynaeve just says, can we talk to them first? And then Elaine says, I'll do the talking. <laughs> good call. And I think... She's even Elaine is still a bit pissed at Julian, rightly so, because she starts off reminding him, The last time we saw you, you didn't serve us well. But then he is correcting her and saying, Uh, the precise last time I served you, I was with one Mr. Calthoon and technically helped you out of a pretty bad situation. Not that either of the women like to be reminded of that. Yeah, uh, the last time I served you was in the company of Matt Cawthon when we pulled you both out of the water before the Silver Pike could get you. 
Nynaeve harumphed because it had not it, it had not been the water. It had been a, a cell, and it wasn't the Black Aja. It was, or sorry, it wasn't Silver Pike. It was the Black Aja. Right, they're being all secretive. I would have just been direct, personally. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. Fuck discretion at this point. I'm pissed. So anyway, he reveals he was rudely awakened by one Mr. Lamb, who was also in the company of a shepherd they used to know, and was told to accompany these women for a good amount of gold, but also if any harm comes to them, he's best to drown himself before he returns. Lan was emphatic, and the shepherd no less so in his message. Um, then Nynaeve jumps in and just asks Tom, Oh, and did a shepherd request your help too? And then Tom says, uh, actually a lady of mutual acquaintance asked me, you know, the woman who found you all in Emmons Field. So uh, Tom says, I do have useful skills. I've been a Tanchico before. And this is, Elaine jumps into this, um, it's a common theme in this chapter, but she feels this familiarity toward him, but doesn't know why. But embarrassingly enough, she impulsively tugs his mustache right then and there. Uh-huh. And then she apologizes and just asks, uh, haven't we met before? And he just denies it. No, she, she basically says, uh, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Just for some reason, I, I seem to remember doing that before. I, I'm so sorry. And he just very stiffly says, I would remember. So, so that's kind of a non-answer. That is a non-answer. And we all know he has, but she doesn't. And it's, it actually kind of drives her crazy, this chapter. So essentially, Nynaeve just agrees. They have permission for passage, but does give Tom grief in the meantime. A little bit of grief um, that I'm glossing over. But the men take their leave to tell the Salem mistress they have the green light. And then, you know, Elaine's like, why are you being so rough? But Nynaeve like, says... No, we have to be firm with them because Tom knows we're not full ice to die. And the way men gossip. Yeah, you know how men are. Yeah, men gossip. So, so within the Every hour, talks. Julian will also know that we're not ice to die. And that could put a damper in our mission. I, I get it. I, I do. I get her suspicions. I get her, her, her know, frustrations about it. I especially do. just seeing him as a glee man. But we know his game of houses work. He doesn't say a peep. <laughs> like, I mean, well, unless necessary. Or I, drunk. Back to those. I I think that he is one hundred percent willing to spread rumor when rumor will, you know, serve his his, serve his needs. Yes. But right now the need is to keep them safe. Yes. So Nynaeve continues to distress Julian, but Elaine does stick up for Tom. Just kind of that gut feeling. Um, there, yeah, there is passage about. Well, we can't blame Julian because it was Black Aja, but they have a good point too. The Black Aja are gonna recognize Julian exactly. As well. So they're like, gotta find him a new hat, not that crazy conical whatever thing he wears. I don't blame her for not trusting him though. I would still be pissed as well. Nynaeve is nervous about Tom, about what Tom is not telling them. Good call, Nynaeve. Like, yeah, he might be holding some cards. And, of course, she continues to distrust Moraine almost as much as she distrusts Leandrin. Yeah. But ultimately, Elaine says, not Nynaeve, we got to trust Moraine's choice for sending him. And Elaine doesn't say she's also a bit nervous because, of course, she's worried about Rand being around Moraine. Yeah, she also believes that, that Moraine is going to do what she absolutely has to to fulfill her needs... And get what she needs out of Rand, which nobody knows what those are, right? Yeah. So. So they see a plump 
grumpy tyrant aboard. It's the pilot. Tyrant pilot? Is yeah. that all he's called? Yeah. Pilot. Yeah. And the we ship begins racing through the fingers of the Delta. Nynaeve goes downstairs. We know she gets seasick a lot. But Elaine stays on deck enjoying her new adventure, kind of thinking through she'd never have this if she just did typical daughter air stuff. There's op- This is where there's observations of the small villages, and she thinks through the whole yeah. taxing thing. Uh, she does note only the town of Godin on the Bay of Ramara is allowed to thrive a bit because yes. they view it as standing between them and Mayin, the tar- tyrants do. Yep. But she considers all this foolish men decisions and thinks Rand a foolish man as well. And she just hopes she won't be a foolish queen. And that's why I put it in there. I'm like, she she's aware. These are all very small-minded choices. And we've talked about it before. But time and time again, we get the reference that Morghese has in the past been viewed as a very generous queen, good to her people. She's definitely not like a Cersei Lannister type, whereas these Terran High Lords are more like the Cersei Lannister types, right? Yeah. So... So more racing through the Delta of the Reeds. I thought it sounded like a pretty fun journey with some doubt of, is this going to run aground? And I think that's why the Tyrant pilot is grumpy, because they're going so fast. But then the ship just stops right at the mouth of the Sea of Storms. And that's where a rowboat comes, takes the Tyrant pilot back to maybe a lighthouse or something yeah. there, the structure. And of course, he has that sack of gold for doing his duties, just yep. sitting grumpy. Yep. Um, and then the ship lurches forward on his journey again, and soon they're out of sight of land, and at this moment, all the women strip off their tops, the same as the men, minus Elaine and Nynaeve, and Elaine just coaches herself, it's just a cultural difference, but then she spies Julian also struggling about where to look, so she instead just, she's like, I'll just look out at the sea, see some swimming dolphins, yeah, it's kind of yeah. sweet. Yep, yeah, yeah. and she thinks about how dolphins have been, like, it's been told that if you fall off a boat and are drowning, dolphins will push you to shore. Probably true. I believe it. Uh, Tom joins her. There's a long conversation, and I'll describe it in more detail, but she's determined to figure out who is this guy. And every once in a while, she gets super offended, just prissy, if he calls her girl or seems to be laughing at her, if she perceives him, if she perceives him as diminutive. And that's where I'm like, get over yourself, Elaine. Plus, you're Mistress Tarkin. I don't know. There's moments in this that I just kind of want to slap her. But I also, I, I definitely have, have been um, sensitive to people like referring to me in like a dismissive way or less like, like, like mature way. Um, yeah, but I, you're I, not like daughter heir of... Minnesota. I I 100% I, no offense like, to you like maybe I don't want to be daughter heir of Minnesota <laughs> no I'm just saying maybe it makes more sense for you I mean for her she need I don't know I'm just like well, you're no, a prissy little princess right now but, but I, she can't appreciate being called girl uh, you know in context though and I didn't write them in context it's not that bad okay that's that's why I thought she she needs to grow up so anyway, Tom starts talking about he's envious of the dolphins. Then he muses, well, maybe they do have some stressors, you know. They might get eaten by whatever lionfish, whatever's out there. Um, continuing on, Elaine asks, will you one day compose an epic of Rand? Even though in her head she's like, mm, only court bards make epics. Of course not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Tom was your mother's court bard. He's dumb. So <laughs> he talks of Loyal's Dummy. book. 
And he kind of, it's a non-answer, but it is an answer because he starts talking about how history changes with every passing generation and who's really going to remember. He even mentions how the hero can change in future stories and perhaps one day people would remember Matt as the main hero. So Elaine asks, well, could this even be true of like Arthur Hawking? And Tom points out some flaws in the story where it's like, could he have really slaughtered all yeah. this in one day? Yeah. Elaine, like think about it. So it is really good thoughts. Yeah. I mean, um, part of it, I want to jump back a little bit. Part of it, he says, um, two dozen generations and you may be the hero of it, not Rand or maybe Matt or Lan or even myself, Tom Maryland, not a glee man, but what? Who can say? Not eating fire, but breathing it. Hurling it about like an Aesodai. Tom Marilyn, the mysterious hero. Toppling mountains and raising up kings. The grin became a rich belly laugh. Randall Thor may be lucky if the next generation remembers his name correctly. And I thought this was an interesting conversation because then it's, you got to think back. Okay. So is everything we've learned about Louis Theris Telemond or the Dark One true? Did those stories get reversed? <laughs> is this one of those series you find out the wrong person was imprisoned? Whoa. Well, crap. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, then he goes on it, 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 He goes on to, to throw out a bunch of different things. Like you said. Oh yeah, if you um, want to read there isn't, it. There isn't I, time between sunrise and sunset for one man to fight a hundred duels. Um, and let's go back to the time before the time of age, the age before the age of legend. Did Mosk and Merc really fight with spears of fire? Do you think, and were they even giants? Do you think that's referencing anything? Uh, I honestly, I skimmed it because. Okay. Her facade. Thank you. That's what, that's the word I was looking for. Her facade. We're seeing it crack right now. They spy Matt. He's looking ruffled in his clothes, and Moraine notes to herself how hard he is to keep track of. And he avoids her spies with ease. It's just funny because Matt knew it, but I'm also guessing it's his Taviranness at work, and he just gets lucky when he avoids them. So, I had I, I had this question: Have yeah. we gotten when we've been in Matt's um, perspective that he's noticed other people other than Moraine? Yeah. Paying attention to him? Yeah, he knows that she has people watching okay. him or suspects okay. as okay. much. Okay. See, this, she just says, he suddenly slips out of nowhere. I think that's just luck. Like, he's probably walking down the street and has an urge to just go yep. in a fruit stand, whatever. Yep. That yep. was my guess. But yeah, he's mentioned if it's not her, it's other people. Or she has people watching me or he suspects it. Yep. Well, I just, I love all the references that we get to her, like, spies and informants. Yeah, right now, yeah, right? she's all about it. So she has all her little sparrows, right? Um, Her, what, what was it that, that uh, uh, who was the guy from, from uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah, what was his name? Varys? Varys. Yeah. Yeah, all like his little yeah. birds. So she's like, like little a... birds. <laughs> she's got a bunch of little birds. Or um, did you ever watch BBC Sherlock? Oh, uh, yeah. He has a yeah. homeless network. Yeah. But it's like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Because no one is. Yeah. Yeah. They all get overlooked so quickly, so. I don't remember what he called them, but, um, anywho, Equine starts wondering about parents' whereabouts, and again, I'm glossing over, putting details as needed, but Moraine's more concerned about Lan's whereabouts, not that she says it, and she's ready to give Lan a talking to when she finds him. Yeah. Um, but again, this is where she's reflecting, I'm just, you know, it's good he's close with Rand, it's another strain for me to pull. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awful. But it's also worrisome because he is starting to become very protective. 
of Rand's. They are they are yes. very much developing this mentor mentee. Yeah. But, but, but like like more of like a uh um what's what what is the term when the prodigy. Okay. Like I I've always kind of viewed it as Lan sees Rand as his prodigy. Like he okay. is the like the son he never had. That and he's going to go on to greater things than Lan could ever accomplish. Yeah. That's that's how Lan is viewing him. That's at least that's how I've always read it. Like Lan is very much developing this uh affection for him, but not so much as a father son, more as like a mentor men uh mentee, but like this kid is going places. This yeah. kid is going to rule the world one day, literally. You know what I yeah. mean? Like so That's true. Kind of giving back what he received. So it. yeah, so she's a little concerned that more, that she is not his like her goals yeah. are not his goals anymore. Yeah, I mean it's to the extent at one point she was thinking I'd almost be concerned if I couldn't feel our connection. Yeah. She can still feel it. She yeah. knows he's around. She, she knows he's close. She knows and he didn't go after Nynaeve to Tanshiko. Again, but. readers know, well, he was just threatening Julin that you got to join the girl. So he's still probably coming back. And that's from exactly that. what's happening right now, right? Yeah. Like, right. he's probably coming back yeah. from that threat. Yeah. Um, Aguin continues fretting about Perrin, but is certain he's just with Fahil. Ha ha ha. Because he has a strong sense of duty. He wouldn't run away, Moraine. And I'm thinking, ha ha. Well, and Moraine, Moraine thinks, that's why I haven't been watching him yeah. the way I've been watching Matt, you know? Perrin is as dutiful as a warder. And then I'm like, irony, that land isn't there. <laughs> okay, so here's the really funny thing, though. Perrin is as dutiful as a warder, but his duty isn't necessarily to Rand or Moraine. Correct. He is going back home because that's where he feels his duty is. Yeah, he kind of spelled that out too, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. So they are correct in, yes, he is as dutiful as a warder. He's not leaving to get away from Rand. He's leaving because he has to protect his people. Yeah, I agree. So they are correct in everything they're saying. And he hasn't been trying to run away, even though Fayil has been trying to get him to leave. Yeah. He hasn't been trying to. He's been trying to get her to leave. Because he knows he has to stay by Rand and yep. he doesn't want her to get hurt. But the second he hears the rumor that there are white cloaks searching him specifically yeah. in the two rivers, he's that's, going home to do his duty. So the they are right and they are so fucking wrong at the same time. True. That is true. Um, and yeah, Maureen actually has to spell it out to Gwyn that Fail was the one who's been convincing Perrin to leave. But then Maureen has those inner thoughts again. Hmm. I might have to have a talking to with Fayil and, you know, basically to keep her calm. And But then she says, or to herself, she says, tell Fayil about all the secrets she's been keeping from Perrin. Yeah. Like, Ooh, la, la. And there's been hints, right? She gets really touchy if you bring up her name. Her, yeah. Uh, yeah, her home. She's, she's been very vague about what her father does. She just says he, he's a merchant. He's a Saltier. merchant. He's a fur trader. He trades yeah. in ice peppers. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm trying to remember if I learned more in this book or not. Like, at right now, I don't, I'd say I can't remember yeah, if we learned yeah. anything Well, more. And, and I, I think at this point it's been long enough and you've read enough, you've oh. read these books uh, back to back. I'm I'm not even bringing up anything that happens yeah. past what we're reading. So now it's very idea. safe for first-time readers. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're pretty good. 
Um, but I, I want to know more. And also, again, they're having this conversation whilst they're literally prepping to get to the ways while Perrin and Fayil are in the stable right now getting ready to go to the ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. Earth, earthquake hasn't happened. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Egwene runs her mouth a bit more about Moraine not understanding human emotions. Moraine's about to hand it back to her when the crowd gasps and pushes back. Because Rand enters with kingly looking with his red coat and calendar tucked under his arm like a scepter. Oh, and a hundred Aiel men following after him with their shoe fizz up, right? That's their warrior uh, scarf or something? Yeah. So it's intense. And then Marina yep. actually does think Ruark might be one, one of the leaders, but can't tell because can't see his face. Exactly, because, yep. So, oh boy, you can call out any details I forgot. I think I got a lot of it. Rand begins by announcing that High Lord Cinnamon has agreed to create a treaty with Mayeen, or he will be hanged. In that way, Tyron ships can re- uh, Tyron will receive the ships they need to carry their grain west and find new markets. Rand then announces the armies of terror are to march, and then the crowd just immediately gets riled up with those words alone, and they begin cheering. Ilian shall fall. And Rand kind of has a look on his face, right? He's looking a little like, is it a contemptuous smile? Rand says, this is a reminder. I will be back. And hey, remember, there is a consequence for failing if anyone tries to take it out. And that's when Rand and the Aiel exit. The Aiel now have their shufas down, yes. but, but ready to pull up at a moment's notice. Um, so that's a big deal. He just left Kalendor behind in the yeah. stone. Yeah. He's already touched it. Other people can touch it, right? Uh, and well. Marine, Marine's going to get into that too, but yeah. that's what I think Landfear told him in the middle of a fight. So Moraine um, and Egwene, um decide to follow him, basically. They, they catch they're up like, to yep. uh, We got to talk about this. The Aiel are watching Moraine warily, and she has inner thoughts about the challenge of learning about them. We learn her own informants refused to ask questions after one of her men disappeared, and one woman was found bound and hanging in the air by her feet over a 400-foot drop, and will no longer leave the first floor. Yep. So I was just like, oh. She won't talk about it, and, 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 and Moraine eventually had to send her to, like... A farm. Uh, a farm in a Poor distant girl. village because she was she kept reminding her other informants, you know. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. And this is a this is that moment. It's the Frodo meme of keep your secrets, right? Yeah. Like Gandalf having secrets. So anywho, Rand sees a Gween. He's a bit angry. Why aren't you with the other two on the way to Tanchico? To which a Gween announces she's headed to Iridian with. Avienda, in order to talk to a wise one, Rand misses a step, but then he keeps walking. He starts reminiscing of childhood memories, you know. Yeah, it's actually... Swimming it, in it, the water room. It's almost a sweet moment. Yeah, he just changes gears. I used to float on my back in a pool and think the hardest thing I'd ever have to do was plow a field, unless maybe it was shearing sheep. Shearing from sunup till bedtime, hardly stopping to eat until the clip was in. Spinning, the green said. I hated it worse than scrubbing floors. Twisting the threads makes your fingers so sore. And that's when Moraine's had enough. And she's just like, shut the fuck up. Why did you do it? And he alludes to the Ultima thing. Like, well, I couldn't just hang her. But then Moraine stays on subject. Like, you know what I mean. And so he says, Kalimdor is a weight. 
And then, did you even read? He talks, he repeats a prophecy. Yeah, he says, Calendar, with that in my hands, I can do anything. Anything. I know I can do anything, but now it's a weight off my shoulders. You don't understand, do you? Perhaps it will help if you know it comes straight from the prophecies. Into the heart he thrusts his sword. Into the heart to hold their hearts. Who draws it out shall follow after. What hand can grasp that fearful blade? You see, Moraine? Straight from the prophecies. Whereas Moraine is just like, Ram, anyone can touch it now, even land fear. You drew Kalimdor in fulfillment of a prophecy. The safeguards that held it awaiting you for 3,000 years are no, are, hold no longer. It is the sword that cannot be touched no longer. I, I read that wrong, but that's okay. I could channel it free myself. And it, whereas, I'm sure you have more notes to follow, but whereas he's basically like, try to channel it. Yeah. You're going to get fucked up. I booby-trapped it. And it's going <laughs> to reset any every single time someone tries to touch it. Yep. yep and she even you... knows, like, he tr- probably purposely made sure it wasn't selective. It's anyone. Well, he... I included. Because she does. She's like, if you don't have it, Tarvalon should have it. And he's like, oh, fuck no. I'm coming back. Well, he says, in order to place the wards that I needed, I couldn't be selective on who would touch it. And she was like, really? Really? Could you not? Really? Because I've used that excuse too. Um, yeah, and he just keeps going on. It's just a good reminder to all these pissed off high lords and ladies. That I will be back. I will be back, so please don't murder me. And then... Well, and, and don't be dicks and don't don't reverse the laws that I have made I in know, the short time that I'm here. Which was my immediate thought. I'm like, who's enforcing these, Rand? As soon as you leave, I don't know if a sword would deter them, but I guess he assumes as much. Marine asks, so where you going? And it turns out he's journeying to... He looks right at Egwene when he says it. Ruidian. Yeah. Both Egwene and Marine are shocked, and Marine tells him, hey, you're no Aiel clan chief. Your struggle is on this side of the dragon wall. But then she kind of pauses, and she's like, is this what the snaky people told you? And then essentially Rand says, time for you to trust me, the same as I've trusted you. Yeah. And she's just like... I can trust you for the time being. But again, she's just thinking to herself, she's just going to do whatever it takes so he does not go to the shadow. Yeah, she says, I will trust you for now. Just do not wait to seek my guidance until it is too late. And... That's the end of the chapter right there? That's the end of the chapter. And the next chapter... pretty good. The next chapter that we'll cover next week flows right in from that. But I just wanted to get that through because I feel like... At this pace that we're at now, we can actually, um, the next couple episodes will flow very well together. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a lot of info. I thought it was a lot of input. We stopped and talked about <coughs> most of it, but Marine, we learned a lot more about Marine. It almost confirms everything like Tom suspected about her. And, yeah. Um, and she is a puppet master. Now, I still don't think she's malicious. No, she's she's obviously a good person. Yeah. Right? She's obviously like... Her ultimate goal, basically for her entire life since she became an Aes Sedai, has been to save the world. In the essence that uh, she's going to guide the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Like that has been her goal, to find 
and guide the Dragon Reborn. Guide, control those might be loose terms in her mind. You know what I mean? Like, like how much control, how much guidance. But yes, she's very much, and she's willing to do things like spy on everybody that's close to Rand in order to guide him correctly. Send other people who might be influencing him yeah. away in order to guide him correctly. You know, so yeah, very much manipulating as much as she can, but she's not bad. She's just trying to do things the way she's always pictured. Um, and as well, there was just that little moment where she's even believing the that Mazram Tame was the more believable learning. Yeah. I missed that the first read through. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, I'm oh. Probably sh- I probably did too. I, uh, I mean, I was catching on with Amico and Joya this time around, but I totally missed that Maureen had uh, thought to herself, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's more believable. So I don't, yeah, it's, she's such an interesting person. But why can't both things be? Well, they are. It, well, Right? I mean, the girl's already headed to Tanchico. There's great evil. So yeah. they're going to find something. Okay. We know that much. Okay. Like, because, uh, not Avienda, Amis. Amis, yeah. She even confirmed there's, like, more cycling evil. Like, everyone keeps saying there's evil. The sea folk. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah. It's, Something's going on in so, Tanchico that's not good. But, um, I don't think there's much more. No. Other than we no. found out what was the earthquake. It wasn't, for some reason, my head... I, I thought it was maybe Rand about to read um, whatever letter Elaine left for Yeah, him. well, that's what Elaine thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that got in my head. And then it's like, no, he just shoved a sword into the ground. But, you know, what what legend is that? It's back to Arthur. It's Arthurian. There's a lot of tie back to Arthurian legend but, in these books. Except they didn't put a booby trap on that one. You just couldn't get it out. You couldn't get it out. No. Okay, Book okay. Mary Killer not ready. So, um, I'm sure it can find them, but if you want to go first. All right, well, I think I have mine. Okay. Okay. I am going to fuck Darrell. Because I feel like she'll need some cheering up after she's been cleaning the belt, the bilges. Um, plus... The sea folk are hot. And that's why I'm also going to marry Torum. Because he seems like he's a good fucking husband. And my kill is... Do you know who else would be a good fuck? Who? Lamb. That was my first Lamb's actually going to be my Mary. What a stud! I love that he doesn't even like he's not he's not even he's only mentioned in these chapters and you're still gonna either fucking marry him. He's a Mary. He's he's amazing. He was gonna be the fuck, but then I realized no, he was marriageable. Um, man, why am I just not impressed with any of them? I you know I'll just I'm gonna give the fuck to Matt because he showed up. No, and he would have been showing up right after telling Perrin, I can't go. He wanted to go, but he couldn't go. So he still showed up to the stone. Okay. Here's Moraine and Egwene picking up. He's so ruffled, and I just think it's so funny that Moraine's spies can't stay on him. It's okay. funny. Perfect. No, great. Um, so Mary is going to land because he was really... He went against... He should be with Moraine... 
because she needs protection with all these people who hate Aes Sedai. Yeah. And he chose, I gotta look out for my girl Nani. Yeah. I'm gonna go with this shepherd boy and threaten Julian Sanders because we don't know who else to wake up in the middle of the night. Um, fabulous. Then the kill is gonna be Lady Letha, the person who is just the oh. <laughs> shifting her skirts because Moraine is a pariah. Until you I mentioned her in up. your notes, I didn't even remember her in this chapter I, at all. Again, I, do I remember her from first read through? No, but it is, it's one of those, like you said, it's one of those slights that to me is even, you know, switching the purse to the yeah. other side of your hip when it's like, is that necessary? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay, we found some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. That, I love it. That was a longer episode, but we, we made it. You know what? That's, it, 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 we've had a lot of short episodes lately. We were due for a slightly longer episode okay. and, and. Hopefully our listeners will appreciate and enjoy it. And as always, listeners, we really appreciate you. Um, And I think, unless you have anything else to add. No, no. Looking, this is, the action is happening. Like, this is officially, like. Things are starting to happen. Now we're, we've gotten through the setup. Yep. And we're in the action. Yep. These these were slightly slower chapters, but they were the setup to, like. We're not even to the middle. We're not even halfway through the book. That's that's why I want to get back on track with three to four episodes because we've done so many recently with just two episodes that we're definitely behind schedule. Where I, I would thought say we would two be to three point. chapters is about what I can still handle. These are longer chapters. They are. They are. But okay, so with that everyone be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Ultima, I'm gonna kill Ultima because she just yeah. seemed evil. Even though we don't get anything from her point of view, she just seems like. Like from from Moraine's point of view, she just so I'm I'm going a little bit like I'm not going with main characters this time. I'm I'm that's great. I'm going with uh, the background characters, but yeah, those are the three that I'm doing. I you know for whatever reason that one's like super standing out to me for killing especially. Um, I, mean, plenty, I really plenty think you can, to kill, but it's, it's you you can pick any any of those assholes in the Stone of Terror, really. I know. Like really. Uh okay, okay. I think I've got two of them. So, just need a good fuck. Um, who can I give it? Darrell would be a good fuck. You already claimed her. No, I'm I'm pretty sure any of the Sea Folk women or men would be a good fuck. I'm not disagreeing. Oh. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Glee Man's Apprentice. The Glee Man's Apprentice is available on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Our theme song is written by Twitch Avery and performed by Andrew Bard of Time.